0: Worshiping God is something you can and should do, wherever you are. Here's Pastor Al Pittman.
1: If you have never experienced this, worship the Lord by yourself. Have your own worship session and in in your house. You sing to the Lord, you're all off-key, the dog is screaming and whatever. But just worship God, amen? Amen. amen? Worship God, and God will show up, and I'll guarantee you, it'll change the atmosphere in your house. It'll change the atmosphere within you. Worship the Lord. If anyone suffers, let him worship Worship is like a life preserver. It is it is buoyancy to our faith.
0: Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place, you are my dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. Many who look at James chapter 5 misinterpret what the author is truly saying. James tells the sick person to call for the elders and let them pray over him or her and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Then he goes on to say that the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Does this mean that God will heal everyone who prays with faith? Welcome to today's broadcast of The Dwelling Place, presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs. We return to our study of James today, and we'll be wrapping up the series on our next broadcast. Pastor Al has some important truths to share with us today concerning health, both physically and spiritually. We join him now in the fifth chapter of James.
1: If you have your Bibles, please open to James chapter five. We're going to finish James today. Lord willing, you got a little scratchy throat thing going on, but I'm good. You know, I was sick for a little while and some of you, I tell you, after the service, y'all just bolted for the door last week. Didn't want to come to say hi to me or nothing. So I'm at the end of it. I'm doing good. I'm not contagious or anything. Contagious or whatever you call it. Contagious. I've entitled this message, Body of Health. The church is called the body of Christ. And just like your physical body, you want to have a healthy physical body. Uh, The church is a body, uh, or indeed spiritual health, I should say, is essential to the body of Christ. And so James in our text prescribes what I call a multivitamin pack. Containing four supplements for a healthy uh, body of believers. Number one, he talks about hope. Number two, he talks about support. Number three, he talks about confession. And the number four, the fourth supplement, is correction. I believe this message is important for us because God never intended for us, uh, despite popular belief, to, as a believer, to live my faith in isolation. We are to be connected. With a healthy, life giving, functioning body of believers. And I notice what God has done here at Calvary Worship Center. And all glory and praise be unto the Lord. But we're gonna look at this, what it means, uh, this body of health, what does that look like in context of the scripture here that we're studying uh, um, and the, the letter from James uh, here in the New Testament. And so we'll look at each one of these today and I pray that God would bless you. But first we start with hope in verse 13. James says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing psalms. Now, that's very short and straightforward. That's, that's the whole book of James. It's short and straightforward. But it really speaks of hope because whether you're on one spe- end of the spectrum or the other, you're suffering or you're, uh, you're in a place where you're cheerful, uh, there's hope. There's hope in Christ. Our suffering or our cheerfulness does not diminish our hope that is in Jesus Christ. And so James here is addressing the, the lows and, yes, the highs of the Christian experience, which I'm glad he is because he's saying to me, what I get out of this is that he's saying, you know, human, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that my, uh, I don't have human emotions. And sometimes people want you to just kind of suck it up and have faith and all that. And you need to have faith, but it's all right when you have good days and you have bad days. Uh, that's a part of life. Sometimes we're surprised when we have bad days, but the Bible says, think it not strange when these things happen to you that we're in this world and we're going to go through times of trials. But there's good days and are bad days. There are times when we are suffering that literally means undergoing hardship. And James counsels us. Now here's James counsel. He didn't send you to a seminar. You can save your seminar money. Amen. Uh, you, you know, you, can, you, you don't have to go out and buy that book or whatever. James says, here's what you do when you're suffering, pray. There it is. Very simplistic. Just Pray. Pray to God. Now, literally, that word pray there means, as I've studied this out, it means let him worship toward God. So it's not just going to some ritual or whatever, but it is worship. Prayer is really worship when you think about it. If anyone is suffering, let him worship. Let him pray towards God. Amen. Cry out to the Lord to pray unto the Lord. It's one thing I tell you to come in here and to worship, and oh, it's glorious. Aren't we blessed with our worship leader and our worship team? Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, they bring us to the throne. And it's wonderful to come in and worship like this. But I tell you what, when you're going through a time of suffering, it is, it is awesome. And it is, I think it's essential, essential to getting through suffering to have your own worship service. If you have never been on your knees and on your face in the house when nobody's around, and you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. Amen. But if you make a joyful noise unto the Lord and just worship him. I mean, choose to do that. I'm telling you, I, I have done it. David said, out of the depths, Lord, I've cried unto you. Psalm 130, one of the most beautiful psalms uh, to me. Lord, I've cried out to you from out of the depths. I will wait on the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. And I will hope in his word, he says in Psalm 130. And so crying out to God. Man, get your, if you have never experienced this, I want you don't know, worship the Lord by yourself. Have your own worship session. And in, in your house, you singing to the Lord, you're all off key. The dog is screaming and whatever. <laughs> but just worship God, amen? amen? Worship God. And God will show up, and I'll guarantee you, it'll change the atmosphere in your house. Amen. It'll change the atmosphere within you. Amen. Worship the Lord. If anyone suffers, let him worship. Worship is like a life preserver. It, it is buoyancy to our faith. I think that's why uh, Paul said in First Thessalonians 5, he said, pray without ceasing. What is it to pray without ceasing? That's praying all the time. That's praying when I just walked out of the office, my boss just chewed me out, I'm praying. I'm praying when I'm driving my car. I'm praying, doing different things, whatever. Prayer is not something, well, I'm on my knees, I'm here, and I'm praying. No, prayer is that constant communion communion with the Lord, talking to God, talking to God when you're mad at your wife, amen. God will straighten you out, amen. If you're mad at your husband, talk to God. He'll straighten you out, amen. Lord, am I wrong? Yeah. Now go back and ask for forgiveness. Amen? It's constant communication with the Lord. It's buoyancy to our faith. It's like a life preserver for us because when times of suffering come, you're able to stand because you're in communion and you have fellowship with God. You're communing communion with God in prayer it's because suffering's going to come. It's just a matter of when. It's going to come. We're going to have bad days, but when you've prayed up, you can stand up in times of suffering. Amen? A prayerless life will quickly lose sight of the hope that we have in Christ. You show me a prayerless believer, I'll show you somebody without hope. I'll show somebody who's lost sight of their hope that it's in Christ. The Bible says, Psalm 34, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen to that. This last couple of weeks, three weeks or so, have been really tough on our family and different things. I got sick and all these different things are going on. But let me tell you, Many were their afflictions, but God has delivered us out of them all. I'm here to tell you. You may be going through a difficult time right now. Not right now. There's still hope. Don't give up. Pray. Worship toward God and watch God deliver you. Amen? The other end of the spectrum he talks about is cheerfulness. Now, cheerfulness. If anyone is cheerful, these are the people that suffering people don't like to be around. <laughs> Amen. Don't you hate that person that's all cheerful when you're going through a difficult time? Hey! But if you're cheerful, he says, I got an answer for you. If you're cheerful, there's, there's hope and cheerfulness. Because be, if you're cheerful, then sing songs. Sing psalms, he says. It's not just the psalms in our Bible, but he means sing praises unto the Lord. Make a melody in your heart unto the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 3 says that God puts a new song in our, in our mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. James says, man, if you're cheerful, man, let it out. In other words, don't just hold it in, let it out. Worship God. And many will see it, man, and bring, it will bring glory to God. When people come into this service, and there are some here today who don't know Jesus, and we pray that before the end of this service you will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. But, man, they wonder what you got. They're kind of curious. Maybe they heard about this place or whatever. And they're watching you, worshiping God, man, and it's blowing their minds. It's blowing their mind. It brings glory and praise to God. When we let out our praise... Praise is is simply, you know, an outward expression of an inward hope. That cheerful praise that's within us, praise the Lord, man, is because of the hope that is within us. It's not pumping yourself up or anything like that. It is acknowledging the hope that is within you and you're rejoicing in that hope. Let it out. Worship the Lord. Cheerful praise an outward expression of an inward everlasting hope that we have in Christ. So, the first supplement for a healthy body of believers is hope. There ought to be hope there. Yeah, for the suffering, and yes, even for the cheerful. Secondly, the second supplement for a healthy body is support. Now, verses 14 and 15 um, have been two verses that have been, I think, taken out of context and misunderstood and, and w- among a lot of believers. And some of you may have a problem with this, what I'm going to say here uh, today, but I'm going to the text, and the first thing... For biblical interpretation is read it in context. Amen. Don't take it out of the text, you know, and take it out of context to make it say what you wanted to say. So we're going to look at verses 14 and 15 in context and see what it says here. Now, here's the two verses. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven.
0: Pastor Al will be back in a moment with the conclusion of today's message in James chapter 5. Here at The Dwelling Place, we would count it a real blessing to be able to pray for you. So share your prayer needs with us by going to our website, cwccs.org, and click the Need Prayer tab at the top of the homepage. That's cwccs.org. And we would also appreciate your prayers for this radio ministry. Now, with the conclusion of today's message titled Body of Health, here's our teacher, Pastor Al Pittman. And
1: the reason I say there's con- controversy many times uh, over this, these two verses is because there are some who believe that, that James is describing here a formula for uh, healing that here's a way that you can, you, you can be healed all the time from any physical illness or malady that you may have. Call the elders of the church. They'll pray over you, and the Lord will heal the sick. The Lord will heal the sick. Now, does God heal? Absolutely. Oh, I've seen many times where the doctors have written people off, and people get well and get healed. I, you know, the Lord has set medical science on his ears many times. <laughs> Uh, he's to the, defy the, the, the doctors, amen, because he's, he's the ultimate healer, amen. And it doesn't matter. Like I always say, medical, science, and I thank God for doctors and physicians. God bless them, amen, especially those who are believers. I mean, it's wonderful to go to a physician. My doctor, primary doctor, is a believer. He loves Jesus. But I understand this, that doctors are always practicing. They have a practice. But God knows exactly what he's doing, amen. So God is a healer, amen. He does heal. But does God heal all the time? No. And there are people who preach and people who would call me a heretic right now for saying that. But scripture backs me up. And scripture is our authority and our foundation. God does not heal all the time. For example, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Second Corinthians chapter 12. He prayed three times, Lord. Take this thing from me. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah, well, what about this? <laughs> The Lord didn't heal him. He just said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then I think about Elijah in the Old Testament. We can go to the Old Testament and think of Elisha. Now there was Elijah, and now there's Elisha who followed him, who had a double portion of anointing upon his life from Elijah, right? Yes, I mean, he was an anointed man. And yet he died on a sickbed. Did you know that? If you got a double portion of blessing upon you, how come you can't lay hands on yourself and heal yourself? <laughs> But he died sick from disease. That's in 2 Kings chapter 13. You can go read all about it. And then what about Timothy's stomach? Amen? Timothy had some uh, stomach issues in the New Testament. Paul said, hey, you need to take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Kill some of that bacteria in your stomach or whatever. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 23. And then there was Peter's, what I call, Peter's glaucoma. <laughs> you see, I have glaucoma. And, you know, you lose your sight to a certain point, you can't get it back. And maybe one day, you know, I will lose it completely. I don't know. I know God's able to sustain me too. But you know what? I call it says Peter's glaucoma because in John chapter 21, verse 18, Jesus starts telling Peter, you know, how he's going to die. And he said, you're going to get Your eyes are going to get so bad, you're not going to be able to see, and you're going to have to trust people. Reach out your hand. They're going to take your hand and lead you where you need to go. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, but Lord, don't you heal folks? (laughs) But he didn't heal them. He said, this is where you're going to go out. And and it started getting a little touchy. This is just kind of a sidebar, but Peter started getting a little disturbed by that. And so then he started looking around for somebody else to draw attention to. And he saw John following him. He said, well, what about him? And Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come back, that's my business. And then the Bible says false teaching went out that Jesus said John would never die. That's not what Jesus said. How many times the church has taken the words of Christ to mean something else—that's not what he meant. Taking things out of context. There's another sermon there about taking things out of context. That's not what Jesus said. But these are just examples. And then there are believers in the the New Testament who were sick. Second Timothy four twenty talks about believers who were sick. Philippians two, uh, verse twenty seven, talking about believers who were sick. Some even unto death, but God had mercy on them. Sometimes Christians do get sick and they die. And the reason I bring this up is because there's a lot of believers out there who are torn up in their faith, who are laying by the roadside of of faith, you know, who have been devastated because some preacher said, you know, you didn't have enough faith to believe your child to get healed. That's why they died. And, And you didn't have, you didn't do this right, and you didn't quote the scripture right, or you didn't use the, you know, the bless oil and all this kind of stuff, and that's why your child died. Something they did wrong because God always heals. No, he doesn't. Because if he did, he wouldn't be God. Because God is sovereign. And God can say yes and he can say no. Job said, yet though he may slay me, I will appraise him. I will serve him. Amen? That's real Christianity. That's true faith. Because that's saying, Father, even though that didn't happen and I, it, it went against my will, I'm trusting in your will. And Father knows best used to be a popular show in the 60s, amen. Some of you remembered it, all right. But a Father knows best. Father, I trust in you. Now, we break down these verses, verses 14 and 15, But right? We first have to understand what, what does James mean here by, by the sick? What does he mean by the word sick? The Greek word for the word sick is astheneo, and it literally means to be weak, to be weak. It means to be weak in faith or to have a weak conscience. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Romans chapter 6, verse 19, uh, Romans 14, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 9 to 12 talks about those who are weak in faith or weak in conscience. In verse 15, he says, to pray over the weak. What does he mean by the phrase the weak? Because there's another Greek word for the weak. And it is the word kamno. And it literally means to grow weary or to be weary. I'm making a point here. And then I think of what Paul's exhortation to elders, to pastors in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, where Paul says there, to encourage the timid and to help the weak, the anastheno. Same word. Same Greek word, help the weak. Another indication to me that, indeed, he's talking about those who are weak and those who are weary, is the phrase, anoint them with oil. Now, this was interesting to me. I was studying this out. I just, you know, this is kind of new to me, really, to be quite honest. I thought, wow. But, you know, I know I haven't arrived. I got to keep learning as a pastor and growing. And it was just interesting to me that, um, that the Greek word that he's using here for anointing is not the... The anointing in the ceremonial sense. What do I mean by the ceremonial sense? Going back to the Old Testament when they would anoint priests and kings. That's not the anointing he's talking about here. Anoint them with oil. The word anoint here literally means to rub with oil. To rub with oil, the Greek word alipho. It is it is not used again in the ceremonial sense. Now, one context for this word is in Luke chapter seven, verse thirty eight. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus goes to the house of a Pharisee, his name is Simon. He goes to Simon, the Pharisee's house, he was invited uh, to go to this man's house to have, to, to have dinner with him, to eat with him. And um, they're sitting there reclining, and they would recline when they ate back in that day. I wish they would bring that back, that was kind of cool. There would be pillows, big old fluffy pillows on the floor. You lay on the pillows. The food would be in the center and the people would be around the food. Your feet are pointing outward. A woman comes into the room uninvited, stands behind Jesus weeping. She begins to pour perfume oil to rub it on his feet. Simon, the Pharisee, becomes indignant. He was, like, criticizing Jesus under his breath. He thought Jesus didn't know what he was thinking, but he did. And Simon said, if he was really a prophet, a man of God, then he would not let this woman touch him because he, does, he would know what sort of woman this is because she was a prostitute. That's a whole other sermon that Jesus would let that which is defiled touch him. He said hey, he must not be a real man of God because he's letting this woman, if he only knew what kind of woman she was. Here's the real question. Simon, how did you know who she was? Okay. <laughs> let me just... Uh, just wondering. Amen. How do you know? And Jesus said this, and this goes, ties in with what James is saying here. Jesus said this. He said, you, you Simon, I came into your house and you did not, lifo, rub my head with oil. But this woman has anointed, Elipho, my feet with fragrant oil. You see, in the time of Christ, It was customary, a common custom in Jewish culture that when an honored guest came to the home, you anointed them with oil. Jesus said, I came to your house, you didn't even anoint me with oil. You would take the oil and rub it on the forehead or on their head as a sign of honor and respect. Now, what is the context of what James is saying here? That the weak and the weary among you, those who are timid, who are frail, going through a difficult time you are not to rebuke them and kick them out of the church but you are to honor and to respect them by anointing them with oil that's the context you anoint them with oil is a sign of respect and honor anoint them with oil and then you pray you pray over them You see, it's easier for pastors to scold the sheep than it is to support the sheep. It's easy for me to get up here and preach sermons about what you're not doing. But Jesus said, feed my sheep, not beat my sheep. And when the sheep come in weary and tired, you don't scold them. You anoint them with oil. You honor them and you respect them. Amen. And we should be doing that for for one another as well.
0: This has been The Dwelling Place with pastor and author Al Pittman and a message from Al's series Through the Book of Acts. If you'd like to hear this message again, you can listen, watch, or download with a simple click. Just go to cwccs.org and click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I would also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy The Dwelling Place on this station. That would be a great encouragement to Pastor Al and all of us here at The Dwelling Place. You can also share a prayer request with us, and we'll count it a privilege to pray for you. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Let me also remind you in closing that The Dwelling Place is a listener-supported outreach. We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. If you'd like to join our support team with a one-time gift or on a regular monthly basis, you can do so at our website, cwccs.org, or by texting the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. Have a wonderful day in the Lord and join us for another study in Acts next time on The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman, presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado.